You're listening to Screenwriters Need to Hear This with Michael Jem. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Michael Jem, and I'm here with Phil. Fill her up with premium Hudson. I always have a good name for him. Uh, and today we're talking about screenwriting fallacies depicted in film and TV. Because someone asked me, you know, I, I made a post a while ago and uh, about how kind of, uh, how we're depicted very differently, you know, how, how writers are depicted on TV and how it's not really the way it works. And some guy's like, well, I don't understand why you'd be depicted that way. If, if, assume, you know, a writer probably depicted it. So why would you depict yourself wrong? I'm like, well, that's a good, that's a good point. Maybe we'll talk about that. Um, so I guess it, it, all, the, it all started with this, Phil. I did a post and about how, like how many times you've seen on TV or film, you see like a scene where a writer's on the phone with his agent saying, I got nothing left in the tank, Harry. I, I'm blocked, I'm completely blocked. And then, you know, the, the a agent is like, oh, don't worry, I'll be right over, you know, don't, don't jump off a bridge or anything, I'll be right there. When, you know, in real life, First of all, in real life, you would never complain to your agent that way. And then secondly, they would tell you to jump off a bridge. They don't care. They'd let you, they'd let you jump. So, because the, the deal is you would never, like, I don't know any working writer, at least at my level or below, who would ever call to tell their agent that they can't do the job. Yeah. You know? Because then you, you can't do the job. They're going to say, okay, you, I'll find someone who can. Right. <laughs> then you're out of work for the rest of your life. Now, I have to imagine there are there is some level of friendship developed over years. Like I know I've talked to some of the showrunners when the Writers Guild was basically fired, required everyone to fire their agents. Yeah. They said, this is tough. He's the godfather to my children. He's been a friend of mine since college. Like there's a level of friendship at a certain level. But in general, I think what you're really saying is these are professional relationships and the professional relationship extends as far as are you able to help me continue to improve my business? Yeah. And, but not only that, like, I guess there are some people but who have those relationships with their agents. I, I don't know. Like, I also, I, more often than not, I hear like an agent maybe dropping a client. Like, they don't really have much loyalty to their clients because it's a business, you know? Like, the, you know, you may think you're best friends, but I think you're kidding yourself. And maybe, you know, in the case that somebody went to school with somebody, maybe it's a little different, but mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, I just would never do that. I don't know anybody who would talk to it. I imagine there are really high level writers, like way, big, big shots who make so much money for studios and agencies that their agents will jump over hoops, you know, flaming hoops to help them out. Yeah. Uh, but, um, but those people didn't get to where they are by being, you know, so insecure to begin with. Like, they, you know, they didn't get to where they are by being blocked. They were, you know, they churn it out, you know? Mm -hmm. So to me, that's like a, it's interesting. Uh, and, I, and I know, I know I, writers uh depict themselves that way because that's so why i kind of addressed that um it's just you know it's funny because well first of all so the job of screenwriter is not it's not fun to watch it's not fun to watch me do my job yeah and i would say that most people most new writers or people starting out are inclined to write about their experience mm -hmm. and that is as writers and there's is some neuroticism and some some stress that comes from putting yourself and your emotions on the page and being vulnerable. And so, mm -hmm. you know, film school, most of the things that I saw being made were about writers. Like I'm a yeah. writer or I'm a young filmmaker, you know, a lot of how interesting that my life is. That's what it is. It's what kind of narcissistic. It's like, look how interesting I am. Let, let me write about myself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, even a lot of the scripts that I'm seeing from 
people in other writers groups that I've been in, there are a lot of like, oh, I that's about a, a girl who went to Hollywood and, and struck out on her own to make it as a writer and, and the struggles she had on that path. And it's like, yeah, like sitting at a keyboard is not a very engaging thing to watch. And, and I think that there are only a few cases of that that I think might be interesting. So Barton Fink comes to mind. Right, right. And then I'd say the other one is adaptation, right? Right. Which Charlie Kaufman, I mean, like it's good stuff. So I, I don't know how you do it better than those. Well, Charlie Kaufman, I mean, that was about his evil twin. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it, it was so uninteresting. He had to invent something like science fiction version of an evil twin. And I love that movie, by the way. Yeah, but, but, but I don't mean to knock, like I, I get why people do, right? You know, your friends are in, in, in film school. I get why they write about themselves because you, you're always told to write what you know. Uh-huh. But as a rule, like if you were to watch me do my job during the day, the screenwriting part of the job is just me sitting at a, at a keyboard typing. It's not interesting or fun. The part, like I'm a writer producer. So the producer part is actually more fun to watch, to watch. Mm-hmm. not the writing part. The producer part is basically me, uh, the casting, um, uh, uh, editing, dealing with the light, dealing with the, with the uh, you know, the director and the camera works and, and uh, all those kind of, uh, you know, those are kind of fun things like, uh, running a writer's room, breaking a story, that might be fun to watch me do, but that's a producer stuff. Right. Like the right, the actual writing stuff is pretty boring. And so, which is why, which is why, you know, writing is a very creative job. So when you write it, sometimes you'll see a, a script or, you know, a TV show or whatever. And, uh, and there'll be a surrogate for a screenwriter that it'll be advertising executive or uh, architect. Architect's a big one. I'm an architect, which really means screenwriter because it's like those are more intro those are more visually interesting to watch mm-hmm. you know someone in, in advertising or, or in architecture because you can look at something but a screenwriter is pretty boring to look at but but and then to to answer this the, the, the question that the guy had which was why um so why do we why do writers depict themselves these relationships with their agents if that's not exactly how it goes down well like let's say you're writing a, a movie and your main character is a screenwriter Every main character needs a sounding board, needs someone to tell their problem to. And so it could be the next door neighbor, but the next door neighbor doesn't really care. And then, you know, he'll say, oh, I'm sorry to hear about your problem. Well, good luck figuring it out. But if the screenwriter were to share that problem with their agent, like that's a really fun, interesting dynamic because the agent's not going to give you the straight answer. They're going to, they they have a vested interest to keep that character working because that's the money, that's how they make money. Mm -hmm. So they want to keep that cash cow pumping out scripts. And so the agent has a conflict of interest. The agent's not going to give the writer good advice. They're going to give advice to keep the writer writing. And so that's fun to watch. It's really interesting, even though that dynamic isn't entirely true. It's a fun dynamic to portray on TV and in film. Right. And I think it's interesting because it's something that you've talked about. And, you know, even in the copywriting world and, and e-commerce and marketing and advertising, they talk about, you know, don't write in the passive voice, be active. And you you say you should write in the passive voice because dialogue is passive, right? It's you're beating around the bush. You're not hitting it on the head. Oh, I don't so, say passive. Not only say that I say indirectly. Indirectly, there's excuse directly me. Versus, there's writing directly versus writing indirectly. Excuse me. Yeah. yeah. So this is a great clarification. So the direct approach is, come on, man, you need to do this because I need money. Like I've got to pay for my wife, my alimony to my wife and my child support. Instead, it's like, no, man, you've got this because you know, you're the greatest, you're the best. And think about what you did here and there. And, and they're just not talking about the real you know, the genesis for their interest in the writer writing. Right. And so it yeah. creates that dynamic of we all know that this other person has a different outcome they're looking for, which is to cash a check. Right. 
Right. And so con- like that, that, a- that agent has a conflict of interest and that should make your, like, your spidey senses tingle because conflict is what you want for, for when you're writing comedy or drama. You want conflict. So conflict of interest is good. Yeah. Uh, it makes it, it, it's interesting to, to watch and it's, you know, it's more fun. So yeah. uh, that's why there are certain, and I was trying to think of, um, and why else we like watching, like why else writers, writers enjoy watching writers on TV get abused. It's just, it's kind of, it's shocking for it. It's kind of, it's fun to watch that because I think we all get abused by whoever's paying us, the network, the studio, whatever. So it's fun to watch someone else going through what we go through. So, which is why we create character, writing characters, writer characters who get abused. Cause I think that's kind of, ah, isn't that funny? But right. um, when I think of, when I think of the shows that depict writers, uh, I think of like the Larry Sanders show, which was not, um, not sitcom, but it was, it was uh, late night. And I always enjoyed watching that as a young writer thinking, oh man, so that, is that what it's like? And it kind of is, it kind of is. It was always about the writers in that room, always, they wanted to get off the project. To, they always had a screenplay they're working on or a TV show they're trying to sell. They were never happy being joke writers on the Larry Sanders show. And I think that's accurate. I think, I think no matter where you are as a writer, you're never happy. You always want to be doing something different because someone else is doing something different or better, whether it's movies or whatever. And there, there was a show, you probably don't remember this, but called The Jackie Thomas Show. Do you remember that one? No, no. I had... It was Tom Arnold. This is back probably mid-1990s. Tom Arnold had a show. It, it didn't last very long, but it was about, he was a, like a, a raging lunatic TV star. Uh, you know, he played, he, as the character he played, and the writers had to deal with him. And I just love that. And, you know, the rule of thumb, though, in Hollywood is you're never going to sell a show about Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Hollywood doesn't like buying shows about Hollywood. Right. So that's why there's so few sh- movies and shows about screenwriting and about because uh, it, it becomes very invest- incestuous. And, and I don't think most it's odd. Hollywood doesn't think that most of America or middle America really cares about how we make the sausage. Right. But I kind of think they do. I think it's interesting. I think that's why people listen to this podcast. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we've had, you know, thank you to everyone listening because we've seen pretty explosive growth just in the first several episodes that we've had out. Um, yeah, it's been nice. Yeah. And lots of great comments and, and feedback from people. But I, I do think people care. I think that, you know, film and television give us the opportunity to leave our circumstances wherever we are. And so if we're daydreaming in Tupelo, Oklahoma, right, or we're in, you know, Tupelo, Mississippi, we're, we're thinking of something other than the oil field we're working in or the retail store we're working at or the accounting job we have where it's an escape. And most people think they have a good idea for a screenplay. Most people think that they have something that would, their life is interesting enough to be in a TV show. I can't yeah. tell you how often I get a text like, oh, you should make a, a movie about my life. It's so yeah. crazy. It's like, no, your life's a mess. Like it's a dumpster fire. It's not necessarily interesting. Or yeah, I hear that a lot too. You, oh, you should hear the, my office place. You should make a show about my office place. And then I was like, oh yeah. And then they'll, they'll say, well, you had to be there. Well, yeah. guy, he says the craziest things. Okay, what does he say? Ah, I can't even think of any. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, well, come back to me when you when you can. Yeah, um, uh, so I think people do care. And I think, you know, well, I think one of the short-lived Aaron Sorkin projects, which was Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Yeah. I, I bought the box set. I watched every single episode. I mean, to this day, they're one of the Christmas episodes, like, is one of the most emotional television episodes I've ever watched, like, tears every time uh-huh. I've watched it because it was that touching and, you know, it's about late night comedy and effectively like a fake SNL. 
Uh, and it was, I loved it. And, and I had that interest and all my friends loved it too, who were not necessarily interested in writing. So I, th- I do think people care, but I also think, you know, we're looking at it from inside the, the magic lamp, if you will. Right? But I think, and I think that's why the rap, why that show didn't do well in the ratings. Cause I guess people didn't care. Yeah. Or they didn't, you know, maybe there are a lot of reasons, but that might have been one of them. Yeah. Um, but even when you go back to like the Dick Van Dyke show, he was a comedy writer on that, but you don't really remember that. Like, because no. it was really a family show. He just That was his work setting. And he had these three, you know, or we had these two coworkers with him. Uh, and they were just, it was more like office stuff. They weren't really talking about the show so much, right. you know? Right, which so. is something... We could all relate to in America at the right. time was the right. emerging office issues. Yeah, but um, it's just interesting because there's a. It's interesting to hear what people think my job is versus what it actually is. So, uh, but we we've got an episode we're going to talk about what is the job of a showrunner, which I'm actually excited to dive into. Oh yeah, we'll talk about that. We're yeah, and again, that's more the interesting stuff is the producing stuff, the, yeah. the writer producer part. I get. In theory, I get two separate paychecks, even though it's all one. It's right. the writing part and the producing part. So, right, right. Well, how do you marry that idea? And maybe we're a little too early for some of my questions, but you you mentioned that writers, young writers, tend to write about themselves because we're told write what you know. Right. And to a certain degree, when you're 20 years old or 18 years old, and you haven't really lived much of a life outside of high school sports or drama or working at a fast food restaurant you know, it's you, who you are as an identity as a writer and you're putting all of your effort and energy into it. So that's what, you know, so how would you, I have my ideas on this, but how do you marry that idea of writing what you know, when you are younger and you only think of yourself as a writer? You know, cause my daughter's taking writing classes. So I'm always very ha- happy to help her, you know, and she's like, cause she loves my writing and she's like, Oh, I love that. You know, I want to write like that. And I well, I read, so I've read some of her stuff. And she doesn't feel like she's old enough to have any experiences, but she, she's off at college and then she met up with her high school friends again. And she talked, she, she just came home and she started telling me about the awkwardness of it and how, you know, you know, how people kind of grow at that age, you grow apart, you grow yeah. so fast and they kind of grown apart a little bit. And she saw everyone through a new lens and I'm sure they saw her through a different lens, but they kept on talking about the past because that was the one common thing. And I go, that's so interesting. And I go, that's a story right there. And she yeah. didn't realize that because she's too close to it. She's in it. That, that sounds like a Sundance pick for sure. Like that, because it's that emerging adulthood, which is a big thing that's happening is how do relationships change as we get older and experience our own things? Yeah. And, and it's, it's universal. And it's a small little story. I mean, you can yeah. do it. Like if you were to write a small little, like if you, I, if you had to write a short, you'd want to write a small story. You wouldn't want to write a short about the world blowing up with dinosaurs. Chasing. <laughs> like, how are you going to shoot that? Yeah, you're going to shoot four people at a dining room table that at, at a dinner table that would be easy to do a show uh, you know short about yeah as opposed to when i was in film school and it was the height of the walking dead and every other project that came out was about zombies and every other project was about young struggling writers oh really yeah yeah, yeah. Those, were two, those were the two things that we saw um it's interesting. To, the, to the point by the way that my teachers limited the project length to three minutes because they didn't want to sit through a bunch of really bad stuff i don't blame them but it's almost impossible to tell a story a decent story in three minutes i really think i think i think a good note i got not that i, I you know i 
tout myself as a good writer back then, or even now, I think I'm a decent writer and getting better. But my final project, I had to cut it down to that three minute mark. And afterwards, my teacher pulled me aside and he said, yeah, I think this deserves to be the 12 minutes because I'd written a 12 page script. It's like, and I, I hope you understand the compliment that is because it had story and, and you know, props to you for giving me yeah. those early lessons about story. And I'll say, you know, I, I had um, a younger writer like who listens to our podcast. He reached out to me on Instagram and he just asked me a bunch of questions and he was not getting this subject of that writing is really just being able to tell a story and what is a story. And I kept asking him and he kept talking about world building. And it's about, I love, I love building these worlds. I love doing this. It's like, yeah, cause that's not writing. That's fantasy. You're building like you're building this world and it's beating around the bush of writing. It's fake work. And he, and I, I was what I was thinking. I couldn't tell him that. And I kept subtly kind of hinting at it. And finally I was like, go back to Michael's free video on story. And trust me, that video is so valuable. You could replay it three or four times and pick up a lot of info. And he's like, oh, I didn't know you had a free, he had a free thing. I was like, yeah, go to Michael's social media and anyone listening right now, if you haven't go sign up for the free lesson. It's the first lesson in your course. And it in and of itself is so valuable. It helped me stand out in film school because I was talking about story structure, even if my story wasn't necessarily as refined and polished as it could be and is today. Yeah. Where, where is that? MichaelJammon.com slash course. That's where I think it's slash free. Slash yeah. MichaelJammon.com slash free. Go there and you can download that and it'll definitely be helpful. But yeah, it's like, you know, I get what he's saying about like, if you were to do a show or a movie that takes place in a, in a, in a diner. Okay. So everyone in that diner is the world. It's like, they've got the cook, the chef or whatever the, you know, the waitress, the sassy waitress, the, the regular guy and you know, the four people who eat the writer. So that's the world of it. Mm-hmm. But I wonder, you know, but, you know, I mean, I guess you're building a world, but that's not really the, you know, that's not really what you're doing. My note to him, my note to him was that, you know, there's a certain point where at least this is how I feel now. And this, you know, you might look at that as a very, this is a very simple view as a young writer, because I still view myself as that. But um, there comes a point where you just, it kind of clicks where you say, oh, I'm not putting people in an interesting world. I'm building an interesting world around my people because it accentuates and improves upon or builds the tension of that is going on with those characters, right? Mm-hmm. Their world. So let's take The Walking Dead as an example because you know that's the, the subject of many student films. Well, if you look at that first season, it's really about a man who was in a coma and wakes up in the middle of a zombie apocalypse And then he has to reunite with his family only to find out that his wife has basically moved on with his best friend because they thought he was dead. And it's about the tensions of effectively a family that's been separated and separation and family and divorce and the struggle of co-parenting is effectively what it is. Right. So heightened by the fact that people are trying to eat our brains and people around us are dying all the time. Right. Exactly. So zombie apocalypse is the setting. Right. The other thing you mentioned, that's the story. And that's the interesting part. Correct. And that's what makes, okay, great. You know. That's what makes it fascinating. And it's like you're watching people die. And that's a struggle because it's like that person is going through or was helping with this other thing that the characters are dealing with. Like they're they're pivotal, not just to the survival, but to the actual inner relationships of these people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's not about world building and it's not about that. And I guess what I'm saying is my opinion on, on writing what you know, to the point of what your daughter's going through is like, you've lived a life. And later as you get older, you start to realize like all of the stuff you've gone through in the first 18, 20 years of your life, 
that's really where the gold is. Like, is that's gold. the that's the stuff that you don't want to talk about that you should be talking about. And we've kind of beat the horse, the proverbial horse several times over, over this, but it's, that's where you need to explore and talk about. Mm -hmm. That is, and that's, you know, I, I bring this up every once in a while, but I'm, so I'm writing a collection of personal essays called the paper orchestra. And that is like, it's, you know, if you're fans of David Sedaris, who I, who I love, this is my, my take on writing those kind of personal stories. And so, that's what I do. I go into my past and I think of these little memories that I have and I try to figure out what they're about and how to attach a story to it. And I was even telling my, my wife um, this morning, we went for a walk and I told her, because it, it took about, about two years to, I'm not quite done yet, but it's about two years in this project to finish all these stories. And I told her how I'm different, how it's literally changed me. And I know it sounds cliche, but going to your past and trying to figure out these moments and to attach, figure out what the meaning of these memories that I had. Mm. Uh, and like, cause you know, you don't remember everything in your life. You only remember certain things. So why did you remember those things? There must be a reason right. when you can figure out what that reason is. It's like, like everything just kind of like falls into place. And it's just like, wow. And I told her, I, I, you know, how it literally changed me. It made me as a person, I'm not exaggerating. I'm not being cliche. I'm a different person now than I was before I started writing it. And part of it is because part of it is, is this sadness that I have about how much I hurt myself in the past and how I hurt people I loved in the past. Regret. Yeah, regret and things that I've done that I, yeah. And so, yeah, so that's why writing is such a wonderful, like you can't do that. Like all it's in you, it's in me, it's in you, it's in everyone who's listening. And if you can figure out how to do that, how to go into your past, you don't have to build any worlds. This is the world you already lived in. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? It's all true. If you can figure out how to do that, how to uh, remember some, an event of your life and figure out what, not what it's about, but what it's really, really about, and then write that. Man, that's, to me, that's way more interesting than people running from dinosaurs or, yeah. you know, or, or superheroes. I, I, you know, just those little, those little stories are just, to me, are wonderful. You know, way, with those character pieces, I guess, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'd agree. And, and it does sound cliche, but I'd, I'd ask the question, why is it cliche? Why does it sound cliche? And I think it's because we've heard a lot of people say those things and sometimes it feels disingenuous. Right. But, you know, Jordan Peterson, who's a kind of a renowned psychologist, and he's, he has a saying that I think is very important. He says, if you want to teach someone critical thinking, teach them how to write. Right? Yeah. Right. Just, because you have to sit down and you have to put pen to paper or finger to keyboard and you need to think through your thoughts. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's this meditation process in and of itself where you have to really discern, is that something I actually believe? Does that actually feel true? And when you get it outside of yourself and you put it on paper, a lot of times you can look at the things you believed or thought were true and realize just how ridiculous they actually are, right? A lot of those thoughts that pop mm -hmm. in our head about us and our, our worth, um, the struggles we went through, the lesson we learned because of something someone did to us when we were in third grade or that girl who was mean to us or that bully who picked on us. You start to just kind of analyze them from a different perspective because they're outside of you. Yeah, I, I did a post just a few days ago. Basically, one of the most powerful things that I've learned in the past couple of years was this phrase, what lies are you telling yourself? Yeah, and we, we've talked, you know, past couple of podcasts, we've talked yeah. about that kind of in depth. And so if you haven't heard those, strongly encourage you to go back and listen to some of those episodes because that's some really valuable stuff. And aside from the fun of talking about the industry and the craft of screenwriting, 
I think ultimately what you and I really align with and connect with, you know, we, we've been friends, you know, I consider you a mentor and you were just kind of helping me out. And then I think we've kind of transitioned into, into friends mm-hmm. because we both align on this perspective of we're just trying to make a better world and be better people in that yeah. world and mm-hmm. take care of people like, and, and help people. And, and that, that process that we talk about in those episodes, I think really highlights that mutual bond that we share about mm-hmm daily personal introspection and improvement that, and that also happens to help us be better storytellers and do this thing that we love and hopefully get paid for like you do, you get paid for. Yeah. 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 That's the, that's the good part for sure. But, but what lies are you, are you telling yourself? It's an important question. Yeah. Because, uh, and, and I, and I mentioned this as well. It's like, not, like not what lies other people are telling you, like that's, that's, you know, what are you going to do with that? But the lies you tell yourself are insidious because mm-hmm. you make so many decisions based on those lies. And then you get to a point in your life and like, wait a minute, <laughs> like none of that's really true. I don't really know. Like, I, you know, I just told myself that stuff. You know, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't really know that that's accurate. And even, even when I was writing uh, chapters from my, this book that I'm working on, I'd write some, I read a, p- a paragraph or a page or whatever. Then I'd reread it later. I go, wait a minute, that's not really that doesn't really make sense. Like, how did I go from A to B? That doesn't make sense. I just said it. I just wrote it because it was the easy thing to write, but it doesn't really make sense. And then I go back and I have to unpack it and I dig and I get to someplace a lot deeper and a lot uh, closer to the truth. And, and that's way, you know, that's where the change happens. And that's, what's interesting, you know, so like stay away from cliches, whenever you write, just stay away from cliches. It's, you know, uh, you know, no good. (laughs) <laughs> right. Well, coming back to, you know, the main subject here of like, what are effectively some of these cliches that people are writing about writers and how they're portrayed? Do you feel like there's any other portrayals of writers and the craft of screenwriting that are kind of not exactly right? I, you know, I don't know about that. Like I watched the show, the, the movie Being the Ricardos by Aaron Sorkin, which mm-hmm. I really liked. It's about, you know, Desi and Lucy, uh, Lucille Ball. Um, and I, you know, he's brilliant. He's a wonderful writer. I was a little surprised though, and I'm not saying it didn't happen, but I was surprised by the way he depicted uh, the female writer in that show, uh, in the movie, kind of taught the way she talked to uh, Lucille Ball. Like, I'm not saying it didn't happen, but on shows that I've worked on, like you, the writer, you don't, the, the writer, you don't want to get too close to the talent. <laughs> yeah. Like, unless you're the showrunner, usually if you're smart, I always felt like the writer, they, you never want, if you're like a mid-level writer or a low-level writer, you don't want the star of the show to know your name. You just don't, because no good comes of it. <laughs> like at first you think you do, because, oh, this famous person knows my name. But then you find out, wait a minute, now they're pitching me story ideas. Now they want to use me as an ally against my boss. Like it, no good comes of it. So uh, I always, you know, I just remember, yeah, on a bunch of shows I worked on, where like this, like the star would learn my name early on. It's like, uh oh, yeah, this is trouble. <laughs> <Thank> good. <laughs> so uh, that I, you know, that was a little surprising. And I think people, yeah, it's another, that's another thing. I think people might be surprised about. We don't, at least the people I know, we don't want, we don't want the star to know who we are. Yeah, um, I've noticed. You know, I had a mentor very early on tell me that there's two types of people: people who are concerned with fame, and people who are concerned with money, and. You know, believe it or not, I think the people who are concerned with money are actually a little bit easier to trust than the people who are concerned with fame. Wait, there's not a third part. It's either fame or money, and that's it. I think, I think so. What else are you concerned about, right? Like, 
Like, yeah, I just, I guess you're right. I don't think- like, like, think about it this way. Like I'm here to do my job. I'm a professional and the more professional I am and the better our craft is, the more I'm going to get paid. My incentive right. is to get paid as much as I can. Now you can stretch that and you could be a little, you know, lascivious or malicious with that. And you could hurt people to make more money. But then there's the side of, I don't care about the money. I just want fame. And that is a little intangible. It's mm -hmm. a little bit more to me, feels like you're willing to do things that you're willing to bend the line of ethics and morals a little bit more to get ahead. Yeah. I just want to make money to provide for my family. That's all right. I want. You know? Even right. doing this. And we talked about this before we started this venture, Phil, I was like, I'm not sure if I want people to know who I am, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, this uh, is a hard, there was a hard thing for you for five years. Yeah. Like I, I'm talking about people, I'm talking about people on social media. I'm talking about people who are listening to this podcast right now. I did not know, want you to know who I am. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So it's tricky. Um, and by the way, like I point this out to people too, and we luckily not, you know, I've, I only know of like one or two cases where people have kind of come at you and saying, oh, you're just some greedy Hollywood rich guy trying to make money selling a course. Yeah. And then I, I've had conversations with people where it's like, yeah, but that's actually not true. Right. Because if you knew what it costs to produce the podcast and to produce the social media clips and to get yeah. the graphic designers, like you're actually employing multiple people to do this thing. And your incentive knowing you is really because you want to publish a book. Right. Yeah. And yeah. The, the currency of publishers is following its people. Yeah. And so, you know, you're exchanging your knowledge and understanding in exchange for a follow, which is free to everyone listening to this, yeah, you're going to get, you're giving away way more value. And ultimately it's because you want to publish your book for self-expression. Yeah. yeah. It's not about, it's not about the money at all. And, and the funny, yeah. And Phil, the funny thing is like, it, I'm not going to make a lot of money from this book <laughs> because yeah, right. books don't sell. Right. So I'm not doing it for the money, especially book of essays. Right. Which is yeah. not like, it's not like you're going to win a New York times bestseller off of the book. Like so, it's, it's really just, this is a personal passion project of yours. Right. And this is a medium through which you can do the thing that we both love, which is helping people. Yeah. You're helping me every time we have a conversation. I know the feedback from the course is just outstanding. Uh, yeah. I mean, you got an email from a member of the course today, thanking you for giving him the opportunity to buy the course because he's now getting praised for the fact that if you take the jokes out of your sitcom, you have a drama here with real story. Yeah. And that was this pain point, his whole probably 10 years working as a writer like I have, right? Yeah, he's a sweet guy, Dave. He, he, every every few months, he sends me a thank you letter. He bought the course a long, long time ago. He sends me a he, thank you He's number letter. one. Literally number one. Bought oh, right. He's the number one. Even yeah. available. Like, he, you, and, you and he, I were shocked. We were shocked. We had we just put it up. Right. And because every few months, he sends me a thank you letter because he gets some other milestone in his mm -hmm. you know journey towards becoming a writer. And uh, it's very sweet of him. And I really appreciate that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, so I, I would just say like anyone who's interested in becoming a screenwriter, um, or an actor or a director, you've got the watch list for you. You've got great content. You drop every single week on Fridays. It's 100% free. There's one email yeah. that goes out a week. You can unsubscribe anytime. It's not used for any other purpose, just to push out here are three videos that you can meditate on and think about for the week. You've got yeah. the free course, which is my opinion, the most valuable lesson in the entire course you're giving away for free, which yeah. is, here's what a story is. It's the definition of a story, mm -hmm. right? You've got this podcast, you have the social media clips, not only the ones that are clips from the podcast, but you do your own every single day that you put out. Most of the time answering a question from someone you're following. And like, it's just a, 
a dearth, I don't know if that's the right word for this, but you have a dearth of, of information available to people for free. And all you're doing is asking them to follow. And, and I think that it would be, it would be a misuse of your time not to do that if you have any passion for the craft of writing or filmmaking, because you're, you're going to give yourself the opportunity to have Michael interrupt your day with yeah. free, valuable content to get your brain back on track. And just, uh, so you're not thinking about Roblox or Fortnite or Call of Duty. You're getting back to the fact that this is what I really want in life, not the sedation I'm doing with video games or food or whatever else I'm doing. But I want to be a writer because that fills my soul. Yeah, go sign it. So yeah, if you want to sign up for that, people, that's at michaeljammon.com slash watch list. And that's, that's what Phil's talking about. I send out, a, we send out, Phil, a, a weekly like email about the top three, you know, videos that I think you should watch for actors or writers or, or you know, creativity. And so uh, and that was actually your idea. And I think it's a great idea. People are already loving it. So um, yeah. get it, go get on that. And it's free. You can unsubscribe whenever you want. Not going to spam you. It's only one email every Friday. That's it. Yeah. So, and you got the free lesson, michaeljammon.com slash free. You have the course, michaeljammon.com slash course. And you got social media, Michael Jammon Writer. You're everywhere. Um, go follow him and get your, get some professional writing in your life. I, I can't tell you how much I have conversations with people who've been working on breaking into the industry as long as I have, which is over a decade at this point. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, it all boils down to the fact that we are at a, a premium time where we have access to people like you who are working showrunners, who are not going to BS us and sell us some dream. You're going to be real yeah. with how difficult it is and what it actually takes to be a writer. And there's some freedom in understanding. These are the limitations of the industry. And here is what I can now do to succeed in that industry. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't help to get, it doesn't help. You're not helping somebody if you don't, if you're not honest with them. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. Well, any other thoughts about the fallacies of screenwriters depicted on TV or film or? Uh, that's it. I'll think, I'll think more, but, um, as always, everybody, if you hear, if you have a question, just leave it on so, in social media. Cause I, I'm always looking for things to talk about. So go ahead and follow me and leave a question or, you know, somewhere. Awesome. Michael, thank you so much, everyone. Thank you for listening. Uh, please yeah. subscribe, leave a review if you can, uh, do something that benefits you this week and moves you down your path to being a better screenwriter. Yeah. Do it up everyone. Go get it. Mm -hmm.